Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Eating Crow with Pete Durand. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Eating Crow podcast. This is the first time I've done this. I've got a repeat guest. Hey. Wes Clater. Wes, how you doing? Doing good, Pete. Thanks for having me back. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, you were literally, I think, one of the best podcasts we've ever done. There are about a handful of people I would say that about, I enjoyed yours, but I thought the content was so good too. Yeah, it was definitely a, a, a heavier one, I would say, a, a little bit more kind of a sharing you know the, the the trauma the trials and tribulations i've been through but i really appreciate that feedback i'm glad that the audience you know took some some value away from that you continue to build your own brand and i don't know that that's your intention is to build a brand i think you share a lot of deep meaningful stuff you ask a lot of life questions the reason i think the podcast is important as tied to your blog is it there's a there's a reason for all this right i mean there's some things you've gone through and if you want to check that out that's the first episode we're going to we're going to look a little bit in the last year and a half, but then a lot forward as well. So if you haven't listened to Wes's first episode, please do that. We're going to jump into some new things. So Wes, last time you and I saw each other, you were running 100 miles. Indeed. And, and you came to join for some of those miles, which you know I really respect that and appreciate that of you. Well, and to be clear, I ran five miles with you in the daytime. You had, you had ran 24 hours in rain and in nasty weather by yourself, most of it. And I think to levels that I did a, I did a LinkedIn post, actually one of the best posts that, uh, most traffic posts I've ever done. It was 10 things I learned from, from Wes's hundred miler. Yeah. All great points. But I think one of the coolest things is people just started showing up to watch you run, didn't they? Yeah, it was, it was insane. Yeah. Just to kind of, I guess, bring us up to speed or provide a little more context to that. So I think the last time when I was on Eating Crow, it was, uh, I want to say we recorded in like November of 2020. Yep. You know, I was in the midst of training for my first 100 miler, the the old Dominion 100 out in Virginia. And that was set to be in, in June of 21. So fast forward, I, I went to do the old Dominion in June and it did not go according to plan. I think if you talk to anybody who's run an ultra, especially a 100 miler or beyond, They'll tell you it's good to have a plan, but it's also you know good to be realistic and know that you're going to have to change that plan at some point along along that day. And you know, just inexperience and, and being maybe a little bit too confident, I, I went out and kind of blew up my race and and made it to 75 miles before I I missed the cutoff. So anyway, that didn't sit well for me, and I decided, okay, you know what? On my birthday, August 7th, which would have been Lennox's birthday as well, my son. I'm going to go out to a local park and just kind of do my own thing, go out there and run 100 miles to honor him and honor myself and maybe see if I could break away from the negativity surrounding that date for me. Well, my wife, you know, unbeknownst to me, puts a post in one of the local Facebook groups uh, the night before I was going out there just saying, hey, my crazy husband's going to be out there running. If you see him, you know, say hello, give him some support. This is why he's doing it. And she kind of laid out a little bit of the backstory. Well, anyway, I got up at midnight, went out to Hilltop and started doing my, my laps and, you know, thunderstorms started rolling in. The weather got really kind of sketchy and I was starting to second guess, what the heck am I doing out here? Is this going to work out or not? But either way, before I got out there, sidebar, my wife had told me, hey, you know, the, the, the post I put in there is getting some attention. You know, it's got like over 500 likes on it, a bunch of comments. A lot of people are really intrigued by this. I was like, holy shit, like, what did you do, babe? But either way. 
went out there, started doing my thing. And then um, come about 6 a.m., 7 a.m. that day, I started seeing like people standing and congregating around like the parking lot and kind of watching me come through and like waving to me. About seven o'clock, one of them stops me like, hey, are, are you the running dad? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. Oh, I heard your story. I'm so inspired. Like, so sorry for your loss. And it was like, okay, like, thank, thank you so much. Appreciate you coming out. Then fast forward, you joined, uh, came out. We got to share a couple miles out there. A couple other friends did. And then by about noon that day, I had people coming up and, and asking me like, hey, are you Wes? Do you mind if I run a couple miles with you? Complete strangers. And through the course of those miles, people sharing with me stories of, of the loss of their children or the loss of their grandchildren, running by houses and seeing signs out in the yard, Lennox Strong, like we're, we're rooting for you, Wes. And just this, this continued on all day, people cheering for me as I was coming by. And then I get to the, the parking lot later in the afternoon and there's like the local news from Fayetteville and they want to come do a story with me when I'm in the middle of, of doing this thing. <laughs> and, you know, not, not to belabor with all the details, but I'll just say that, that this, this continued on for the rest of the day with people just sharing miles with me and telling me their stories. And, and I finally wound up hitting the hundred miles with about seven minutes to spare in that 24 hour period. So came in about 23 hours, 57 or 53 minutes, something like that with my friends at the end there. There's something like inherently selfish about running and, and, and running hundred milers and training for it. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of, you know, self-centeredness if, if you really break it down. But I think really after looking back at that experience and, and stepping away from it, it was much bigger than me. And, and the, the, you know, I guess leading with the intention of trying to do something good for myself and to honor my son, what actually came from it was creating space and, and acknowledgement for a lot of other people that might not have had the confidence or the, the stupidity maybe even to, to go out and do what I was doing. But it really kind of created a community there to where, you know, I still keep in contact with some of the people that were strangers that morning. And now I know more about their you know, their, their hardest moments than maybe some of their closest friends even do. And it's just really showed me that, you know, there, there's selflessness in putting yourself out there and, and trying to do things to maybe course correct for yourself, but also providing an example for, for others that might be struggling in the same space and maybe haven't, you know, figured out how to, to rewrite that wrong for themselves. You've talked about putting yourself out there and, and the fact that your wife shared what you were doing, which to your point, maybe a lot of people wouldn't know, right? It was a very internal thing for you. And by the way, you're a quiet guy. You're not a rah, rah, you know, call attention to yourself kind of guy in general. But the fact that you responded and, and took on a, you know, one of the yokes you were carrying was your, well, they had two big yokes, your frustration. You didn't get through the first hundred miler. And the reason you were doing this is for, for your son to, you know, keep his memory alive. And that most important aspect of your life, which is your family, is, is so front and center. Then you picked up a third yoke was now all these other people's issues, right? Yeah. And you know, they found they found an outlet, they found inspiration in you. And and now I think that's become part of your journey. You, you've written this blog that's gotten a lot of traction. It's a it's it's over three years old now, correct? I think I'm yeah, coming up on four and a half. Yeah. 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 So I think you write to just journal, right? To journal your own thoughts and ask questions about 
things that people should be asking questions about. But I think it's also, again, giving you a platform to continue to do what you did in that that 100 mile or in the park every day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I said to you when we were out there running those miles, you know, and that was two years ago at this point almost, and just like telling you, like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I just run with the the, the itch. You know, I scratch the itch and I, I put out whatever, you know, is kind of irking me or interesting me or, you know, whatever I'm dealing with. And over time, I found that it resonates with people, but ultimately it does come back to me and it helps me to not feel alone. It helps me to feel like I'm leading for others. Sometimes it helps me to feel like I'm leaning on others sometimes. But I will say that, you know, through the the, the journey of putting myself out there and, and hitting post, um, and maybe this will even resonate with you to some degree, but at a certain point, you know, you can kind of lose sight of why you got started. and. I've hesitated to write this post before, but you're familiar with James Clear, uh, Atomic Habits. Oh yeah, Atomic Habits. Yeah, okay, yeah. One, one of like the best-selling authors out there right now, and and you know, just a little sidebar. He had reached out uh, last year because I have shared so many of his quotes in like different blogs of mine, and he was asking me of the source of a different quote. And you know, I thought I'm like, oh, this has got to be somebody on his support team. This isn't James Clear, right? And came to find out it actually was him. And we had a little back and forth. And then he wound up sharing one of my blogs as like a link in one of his newsletters. And his newsletter gets like 2 million, you know, viewers a month. And my analytics on my site took off after he, he, he posted that, right? And then there was this like allure to want to try and I don't know, satisfy this new audience, right? Because all of a sudden, all of James Clear's newsletter subscribers are hitting my blog and subscribing to my newsletter when I was doing one at the time. And I felt this need to try and write to the audience rather than write about what I wanted to write about. And so like, I've taken a little bit of a, a step back from writing ever since like October of last year, up until about maybe a month or two ago, because I wanted to just separate myself from feeling like I need to, you know, I don't know, be inauthentic, essentially, right? Do what do what people are expecting me to do rather than what has gotten me where I am and what I actually enjoy doing. Sure. And so I'm coming back around to wanting to, to, you know, add writing back into my life, because it is a really good outlet. And is a place where I found so much connection. But it is a slippery slope when you start putting yourself out there and you start getting a little bit of buzz. It's why am I doing this? Who is this for? And and why did I get started to begin with? And I think those are things that we should be asking ourselves often as we, you know, are, are, are putting ourselves out there. Yeah, I think you're right. And it, it's hard not to get caught up in, in the metrics, right? The vanity metrics. I know when I first started posting on LinkedIn, I, I theoretically was doing it for work, but I found myself obsessing over the metrics and why one post registered, another one didn't. And 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 I had to step I stepped away for about three or four months because I realized I was doing it for the wrong reason. And like you, I was trying to write something I thought people would like. And then when I came back, um, January of 21, I said, screw it. I'm going to write a post every day just about what I'm thinking. And by the way, most of my posts, people don't care. <laughs> they just don't. Every once in a while, a post resonates and it's good and somebody picks it up or likes it and then it gets a little more of an audience. But um, it was very liberating not to worry about the metrics anymore. Yeah. And look at what's happened since you, you've you you know refreshed your, your perspective on it. I mean, people are resonating with what you're putting out there and I see you posting all the time and it is very much authentically you. 
and coming from a place of, Hey, here's, here's what I'm thinking about. Here's where my experience is. Here's what, you know, here's my opinion on this matter. Yeah. And, you know, people are, are flocking to it because it's real and, and it comes through. Well, I had, uh, I had a unique experience, Wes, maybe you can relate to this. I had a, a woman, this is just recently, she read a couple of my posts and she sent me to her credit, uh, an email, my, my emails on my, on my profile and, uh, and said, you, I just read two of your posts, which are horrible. She made some other pretty harsh comments and I sat there and I just kind of thought to myself, okay, I know those posts weren't bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. She, this woman must be having a really tough time. That's all I, and I, for some reason, I just must be having a tough time. And by the way, the way she read the post was not, it was almost the opposite of, you know, I, I don't think she got through all the way through the post because her comment was addressed actually in the post. Mm-hmm. So I took a deep breath and I was actually writing a response like, hey, I'm really sorry. This isn't registering with you. And five minutes later, she sent me an email and said, oh my gosh, I read your other stuff. I'm just having a tough time right now. I apologize. And then she sent me another email and said, you know, I'm out of line. I'm unemployed. I'm trying to find a job. And so we connected. I'm actually meeting her with, it, with her this afternoon. Nice. And for no other reason, just to say, maybe there's someone in my network we can connect you to. And I think that's the other thing that I've learned. You know, you've written so much, Wes. You've shared very deep personal things. People register with them. I think the hardest thing I had to realize is not everyone's going to read this with the same way I, writ- I wrote it. Yeah. And that's okay. And when possible, I try to engage and help and try to understand why. Yeah, maybe have one or two people that I just couldn't reach. But your posts, they're reaching a lot of people in ways that I don't think you ever realized would be possible. No, not at all. So let's talk about, you know, the impact of that run was powerful. You're back to writing, but now you've got a new event you're planning towards the end of the year. Yeah. Tell us about that. What's this all about? My wife and I decided that we wanted to uh, put on our own race. Um, so this has been a long time coming. I was trying to plan this early, early last year, and uh, some things fell through and didn't work out. And then the town of Holly Springs reached back out to me. So Holly Springs, North Carolina, they reached out end of last year and wanted to re-engage me on on this idea for an event. And so we're, we're moving full steam ahead, and it's the, the Sug Farm Ultra, S-U-G-G, Farm okay. Ultra. And we'll put that uh, in the notes. Yeah, it's going to be September 9th here in, in Holly Springs, North Carolina, uh, takes place at Sub Farm and Bass Lake. And uh, yeah, we're going to be offering a five mile, a 20 mile and a 40 mile uh, trail run option. And uh, just interesting to know that this would be the first official uh, ultra marathon in Holly Springs, which I'm pretty proud of. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there's a big, rich running community in Holly Springs and the surrounding area, you know, between Cary, Apex, out to Fuquay, where I'm living. Uh, but ultimately, we're just trying to create something here that that gives people uh, an ultra option on trail with you know enough elevation. There is about five five hundred feet of elevation per five miles. So the twenty miler will have over uh, two thousand feet, and the forty miler have over four thousand feet. Um, so you know, a decent enough, challenging enough event here that that gives people the option to run an ultra in the community around Holly Springs or even test out a trail run on a 20 mile or even come out and run a five mile just to, to be involved. Mm-hmm. And then there is a fundraising aspect to it. We're going to be hosting an Alex's lemonade stand uh, at the start finish 
Uh, for those that aren't familiar, Alex's Lemonade is a uh, an organization that funds treatment and research for childhood cancer. And so I don't know if we touched on this the last time I was on, but I've done quite a bit of work with Tap Cancer Out, uh, a jiu-jitsu nonprofit that um, one of their main beneficiaries has been Alex's Lemonade over the past few years. Yep. And I just feel like that organization does a lot of good. So I wanted to continue to, uh, you know, be a benefit, be able to benefit that organization um, through some fundraising. And uh, yeah, just uh, like I said, just just excited to be able to offer something to the community here, but ultimately just trying to encourage people to come out, get on the trails, get involved. You know, when I started running, I didn't have any clue where it was going to lead, what I would do, you know, what I would gain from it. Sure. And I can honestly, you know, not to be cliche, but I will say, you know, running has given me discipline. It's given me purpose. It's given me community and it's honestly changed and saved my life. So, you know, I want to do my part now and get involved and see how I can maybe change some lives out there, or at least, you know, open some people's eyes to what can come from trail running. I love the fact that you've got various distances involved. And, you know, it's, it's about community. It's about, you know, just dipping your toe in the water. You don't have to go out there and do an ultra. You just got to get moving. You didn't start with ultras in mind. So when you think about putting a race like this together, what kind of participation goals do you have? I mean, do you have any expectations of how many people are going to show up? Yeah. So that's, that's the fun of this, right? Because it's, it's nice to have the idea. And then once you, you know, unleash it to the public and you start, you know, putting your name on it, mm-hmm. you very quickly realize, oh, this is a business. <laughs> and like, just like any other business, you know, it's good to have, you know, motivation and inspiration, but the reality sets in, oh, maybe I didn't think about this or, oh yeah, we've got to cover that. So we've done our due diligence as far as just kind of, you know, knowing what needs to happen. But I think the things that are kind of out of our control to some degree, like getting registrations early in and, and you know, trying to achieve those goals, that's where, you know, I'm finding that maybe... I don't know. Maybe I, I was a little too uh, aggressive, but ultimately I, I wanted to be conservative enough to not shoot myself in the foot and say, oh, this was a complete failure if, if things didn't go the way I planned, because regardless, it's going to happen, whether it's great or whether it's it's not, you know, we're going to either have a great time or we're going to learn from it just like anything else. My goal is to get 150 people uh, registered across all three of them. So I've got currently, I opened up 45 spots for the 40 miler. I opened up 50 spots for the 20 and I opened up 55 spots for the the five miler. And right now we're uh, at about 20% capacity for all three races uh, respectively. So I think anybody that's actually, that's done any fundraising or charity work or put on an event um, starts to realize how competitive it is. Yeah. There are a lot of things competing for people's time. Yep. Other charity events, walks, runs, causes, fundraisers. There's just so much out there competing for people's mind and their dollars. I think you almost have to have a bit of a, a differentiator, right? And yeah. what I've discovered is the the more variety, right? The different distances, the fact that there's a that this is a trail run, it's a bit of an endurance, it's an elite thing, that gets some people curious. Mm-hmm. Right. And there are um, a you know, plethora of runners around here. So um, Holly Springs, good for them for reaching out and, and supporting this cause as well. And by the way, everyone starts with something. You might have 50 people total at this event. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Next year, there might be 75 or 100. You never know. Yeah. Right. If it, if it changes a couple of people's lives that participate, then all the better. Exactly. And like you said, I mean, there's a lot of competition out there. And, you know, 
when you are competing for people's dollars, especially in, in today's, you know, macroeconomic environment right now, it's, it's even harder to be able to, to position yourself and say, you know, come, come share your money with us and come run with us. Right. But yeah, I think, I think you're spot on with differentiators and, you know, I'm not trying to be race organizer, a race director who gives everybody a participation trophy for showing up and, you know, you know, you sign up and everybody gets a t-shirt. You know, I'm here trying to provide a, a challenging enough event to give people an option here to really test themselves, but to do it in a kind of back to like the grassroots type of, of a trail run kind of environment. You know, it isn't going to be overly produced. It is going to be very kind of, I wouldn't say bare bones, but but back to the basics and just kind of there for community, there for trail running and there to really give people an option to challenge themselves here locally so they don't have to feel like they need to go out west to the mountains or, or travel too far if they want to squeeze in a, a stout enough, you know, trail run here. Let me shift gears a, a little bit. You've got you've got your family, you've got your your running, you've got a job. How is it that you you get up every day and, you know, I mean the amount of running you do is pretty extreme, right? So how do people go, geez, Wes seems to have, and by the way, all of us in, on our social feeds look like we got our act together. We don't. Yeah. So how do you get up in it, you know, and every day put your demons in the, in the, in the closet, keep them harnessed and go out and tackle the things you need to tackle. What's your, what's the, what's the three things that you do as Wes to get that done? Yeah. So you know, we talked about this, I think the last time, but it, it all starts with the early start, right? You get up early, earlier than you want to, and you make that a, a habit or a discipline. I think that's the first box you got to check. If you can start proving to yourself, you know, I can get up early, earlier than I wanted to, right? Earlier than before the alarm's going to go off. We're setting that alarm a, a few minutes earlier than, than you realistically, you know, want to be getting up. That's the first box to check. So I've been consistent with getting up, you know, 5 a.m., if not earlier for over the past four plus years. Yep. And it's just like anything else, right? If you try to change too many things at once, you're mm-hmm. going to fail. So process of, of developing discipline in your life or getting up and getting after it is the first box to check is get up early. Once you feel like you've mastered that, then it's about, you know, having a plan when you do get up, just like anything else. And everything I do is on my calendar, whether it's personally related, work related, whatever, it's on the calendar so that, you know, I I tell, you know, we talk about boundaries at work sometimes or, you know, managing time. And it's like, if you put it on the calendar, look at it like this, you know, I wouldn't disrespect you and not make the meeting with you right now to be on the podcast. So if you're putting something on there for yourself, don't disrespect yourself, make the meeting, make the, the, the appointment, the event, right? So really start to respect yourself by, putting it on the calendar and, and upholding your commitments to yourself or, or whoever. So, you know, my runs are on the calendar. My When I'm going to write, that's on my calendar. When I'm going to do whatever it is, it's, it's on the calendar. And then it's just a matter of, you know, I, I guess you could lump in having a plan that could be having your clothes laid out the night before. You've talked about that, right? You know, having just so you're not, you don't give yourself the opportunity to create too many barriers in the morning, right? Because the, the first excuse you can find on that tired brain, you're going you're gonna to jump at it, right? And then the third one is just, you know, starting where you are. Like you said before, you know, not everyone, I didn't start out running ultra marathons. I didn't start out running 50 plus miles a week. 
I started out by saying, I'm going to run three days this week. It doesn't even matter what the miles are. Just going to, all right, I got up early. I got my plan for the day. I'm getting out the door. I'm going to get my run. If it feels good to do two miles, great. If it feels good to do six, great. You get those three days in. Now you, you've, you've established credibility. Now you've established, you know, uh, consistency. Um, that's everything for me is consistency. And so once you're doing that and like, uh, like people talk about, um, the cookie jar, I think it was like David Goggins made the cookie jar, uh, you know, metaphor popular, but it's like the more instances of where you can look back and say, like, look at, look at where I did good or look where I was consistent more that you can draw from that, the better off you're going to be in the future. So you just start stacking up little wins. Okay, I got up early enough for two weeks straight. Now I'm going to start setting out my plan for the morning. All right, you know, I got up and I got out the door. I got my three runs in this week. Okay, now I'm going to start increasing to five days or I'm going to start looking at increasing the mileage. And really that's that's what it is. So like you said, you know, on social media, I go in ebbs and flows. I might post for a couple of weeks and then I might just go, silent for a couple of weeks, but yeah, no one, no one is as great as they look on social media. Everybody's putting the highlight reels out there, but at the end of the day, if you can just start showing up for yourself and establish some consistency and not feel like you need to, like, it doesn't always have to be a win every day, but if you can just stack up a few wins and then you can draw on those when times get tough, I think you'll find yourself uh, making some progress in short time. Some really salient points here. And, and I think we, we, I've got to almost play them back in, in, in kind of a, a different order. Two phrases you said, and, and, and they rolled off your tongue, Wes, because you believe them and you do them. It wasn't, it wasn't cliche. Established credibility and established consistency. So your wife, your daughter, they see you doing this and they see you being consistent. If they felt you were doing it just for them, it wouldn't mean as much. But they know you've switched your internal clock, your internal motivational settings, that you get up and do this for you so that you can be better for them. Right. So that the credibility you have, and you faced some demons, right? You had to put away some things that were not good habits. That credibility is so important. When they see you being consistent and they see that you've got that you've made that move. They don't necessarily um, worry about you every day anymore. Mm-hmm. They know that without them in the room, you'd get still up and do it. You'd still do it. Yeah. That's when I think that's when the magic happens. And then you carried it further by saying, look, I started a bit small. I put some cookies in the cookie jar. I knew I had them there. I got some little wins. I think that's so important. And, and, I, and I think there's a lot of people who have really passed the point of no return or so they think. If you become morbidly obese and you weigh 400 pounds and you think about actually trying to get out and get healthy again, it's really, it's really hard. I mean, everything's hard. Calls attention to two things just coming to my mind right now, but it's, it's funny because like I'll invite people to run with me all the time. I'll like offer group run opportunities when I was at a work event in Dallas last September and offered morning runs to all my coworkers if they wanted to join me when I was going out. And like, of course, you know, nobody took me up on it. People rarely do. But when I ask people, they're always like, well, I can't keep up with you. Or like, I can't run like you do. Yeah. And I always tell them like, look, that's not what I asked of you. I asked if you wanted to come run with me. Like I didn't say, do you want to come keep up with me? Like I, I, that's not my, my intention. My intention is to give you additional accountability, but also to give you some motivation and to be there with you. I'll run as slow as you need to go. But like, 
it's not always a competition with other people or with yourself. It's just about showing up. And that kind of leads into this thought. My wife and I were talking, and my wife and I, Krista and I have been uh, pretty consistent now for, I don't know, coming up on a year of doing two workouts a week with each other. And they're not super intense. They're just, they're full body workouts where it's more about just us showing up for each other, connecting with each other, but also just like establishing discipline with each other and, and consistency. And like my wife has in the past and even probably currently still struggles with body image and just how she feels about herself, you know, physically. Sure. And she'll say things sometimes and I'll, I'll try to encourage her, but sometimes she'll say things where it's like, Oh, like, uh, well, you know, I'd love to have a beach body this year, but I've never had one. So like, why would I expect to? And I stopped her the other night and I was like, is that something you want? Well, yeah. Okay. Well then let's get it. Cause to your point, it's it, like, we closed the chapter way too early in so many domains in our life. Yep. And like, that's the story you're telling yourself. And if you continue to tell yourself that narrative, well then what else is off the table for you? you know, it seeps, it seeps out into other areas of your life. And so like, I tried to kind of correct her in that moment. I said, just, just cause you haven't in the past doesn't mean you can't now. And, and like, if you start just continuously, just turning the dial up a little bit, a little bit, cause you've already proven you, you can show up twice a week Yeah, and that's what we're doing now. So let's just continue to work on the progress we're making. Cause you're making way more progress now than you were a year ago. And that's yeah. the point is like, yeah, if we're always looking at like, the Instagram highlights or whatever the media is feeding us or whatever it is, we're always going to feel not good enough. But if you can just start just tracking in your brain or writing it out and just showing yourself, how often am I showing up in my life towards the goals or the outcomes that I want? And little by little, just build off of that. Well, then you're getting better every day or every week and you're making progress towards those goals. And that, that book doesn't have to be closed. That chapter doesn't have to be closed. Yeah. And I think the way you ask the question is so important. You know, I mean, when, when we look at Instagram, we look at Facebook, we look at all the different social media platforms and you see the highlight reels, the people who look like they have a beach body or a six pack are generally not happy. <laughs> Let's just be honest. A lot of people will blame their issues on metabolism or you know, bone structure, whatever. That's not true, right? The, or genetics. I mean, genetics is the reason why, you know, the same bolt can run a nine, seven hundred meters and I can't. That's genetics, right? I could train the way he trains every day. I could work just as hard. I could follow up and I won't be able to do that. I'm genetically just not wired to do that. But it has nothing to do with my health or my weight. Those are things I do have control of. You know, my wife's in her mid-50s. We're grandparents now. So she's very consistent. She works out every day. She's very disciplined. But, you know, menopause is tough on women. It's, it's brutal. I mean, it just changes everything about the way your body operates. And it's hard not to realize, man, when I was in 30 and 40, I could do X and get Y. Now I'm in my mid fifties. I do X. I don't get Y anymore. I got to, something else has to, I've got to do X and Z to get Y. So we have those discussions. And, and my comment is, you know, if that's something you want to do, let's talk about what that would require and how you would feel about that. Because if you're in, I'm in, you know, whatever it takes, but then you realize, you know, you're full of choices that become very difficult to adhere to for a long period of time. What's the goal, right? I mean, is it better just to be healthy long-term or is it good to drop a bunch of weight and get skinny for the beach and then have it come back all on the, you know? So we talk about a lot of those things. And 
And I think setting long-term objectives, long-term goals, training goals are great. I typically tend to train for performance, right? Performance and, and a deadline than necessarily um, body image or whatever else. And if you do the work, a lot of good things come along with it. But boy, it's 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 hard. And by the I'm, I'm in my mid fifties. I would I always want to continue to look good for my wife and and so that my kids and my grandkids see that you know I'm taking care of myself. That's important. But boy, it's really hard to know when when to get to the line and not cross it. Yeah, don't let me fool anybody here either. Though, like I I'm just like everyone else as far as I don't have everything together, and you know where I excel could be in the you know getting out, getting after it, and staying disciplined in that regard. But I mean. In the past couple of years, I've acknowledged, you know, I'm a ball of anxiety and I have, you know, self-doubt just like the next person. And I, I have the imposter, right? And like all those things are always forefront for me. So in the quest of optimizing or, you know, being consistent and turning the dial little by little, there, just like anything else, there's a, a point of diminishing returns, right? Or there's a point where maybe you go a little too far and, and maybe you're, you're missing out on some of the other things or the trade-offs are, are now not as, as prioritized that they should have been. And, and I'm speaking in generalities, but you know, ultimately it's like you can burn yourself out on trying to you know, be overly disciplined in too many things, like you're saying, like at a certain point, some of those people that have the perfect bodies or the perfect job or the perfect whatever it is that you're seeing online, they might not be happy or they might deal with some other issue that maybe you, you're knocking it out of the park. So we all have value and we all have areas where we excel, but ultimately we all also need to recognize that we've got to work on our weaknesses too, because if we're just constantly you know, driving it home in the areas that we do good, well... There's other, there's other domains, there's other things that we need to tend to in our lives. And sometimes we can, we can go too far out here. You're exactly right, Wes. And I think this is important, particularly for, for moms and anybody that's a mother, right? I look at life as like a bunch of spinning plates. And if you focus on one of the plates too much, the other ones are going to wobble and start to fall and break. And moms in general are wired. I think women and, and mothers are, are wired differently than, than dads and dudes. They just are. They, they tend to sense and put other needs before themselves at all times. They just literally will drop anything that they're doing at that point in time and tend to your daughter's homework or her project or how she's feeling or see what, you know, something else. And then the workout becomes a lower priority than it does. So when you see other people that are super, super duper fit, you have to step back and think, well, maybe that person, that's what they do for a living. Like I know some incredibly fit people, but they work out four hours a day and all they have to worry about is their diet and their workouts. They don't have a lot of other responsibilities or jobs. And their job is to take pictures of themselves. Their job is to post content, right? That's what they do. And they're good at it, right? I mean, good for them. They found their passion and they've obsessed with it and they're great at it. I think that's awesome. If you're a digital media marketing manager and you've got a kid and you like to run races and you've got a house to maintain and you know relationships and all that, and you're launching your first ultra race in your home in your hometown, there's a lot of other things that come into play that maybe you just can't quite get it all perfect. So I think it's uh, it's important to recognize. I love the, the idea of continuing to work towards per being great and, and working hard and learning. But uh, sometimes the journey is almost as good as the, as the destination. So yeah, I can tell you in the last like three or four weeks, I've been looking at the calendar and two weeks ago, I just started instead of, okay, how can I squeeze this in here? Or how can I still hit all these checkboxes? I've just found right. what checkboxes can I just remove for right now? Oh, because yeah. In this season of life, in this chapter, 
you know, I've, I've been kind of creating unnecessary pressure for myself, trying to check all the boxes. Okay. I got to get up and run today. Then I want to write. Then I got to do the social media for sub farm. Then I got to, you know, after a while, it's like, well, trying to do all these things, you're not doing them all well. You're just checking the boxes. And at a certain point, you're not enjoying the journey. You're not present through any of it. You're just pressuring yourself through all of it. And then at the, on, on the other side of it, you're now anxious or unhappy or you know struggling. Yeah. And I was finding I was heading down that path. So now it's like, okay, how can I either two birds, one stone, this one thing, or how can I just remove this from my life for right now, put it on pause and come back to it if, if it makes sense. But yeah, there, there's too many plates sometimes and, and you've got to make the necessary trade-offs. And as long as you're thinking about, okay, and this is just my philosophy, if you're thinking about, okay, what, what keeps me sane and, and on the right path, what keeps me connected to my family and what keeps me engaged in my community or, or in my career, then, then those are three good places to start. And then everything else is just gravy, you know? Totally agree. And I, and I think that one of the earlier tips you had was everything goes in my calendar. If it's in my calendar, I respect it. It's a commitment. My workouts are in my calendar, my my family events are in my calendar. All my job aspects are in my calendar, and, and I try to uh, I try to make sure that I put everything else away while I'm in that time block and focus on it until it gets done. And and you know that means Monday mornings I try to knock out all the things I I don't like to do during the week and get them finished and move on. Yeah. So Wes, what's the after the after the the race this fall? What's the uh, what's the next personal objective for you, either fitness or family or career? So I've actually, I've got a race coming up in about less than four weeks called Quest for the Crest 50K. That's out in Burnsville, North Carolina. It's got like 12,000 feet of climbing. It's one of the more difficult 50Ks in the country. And then two weeks after that, I'm back out to Old Dominion 100, the, the 100 miler that I failed at. I'm coming back for redemption. And the goal is to, to finish that one in, in under 24 hours. Good gracious. Well... Going back out to slay some demons, Pete. And I, I know you'll do it, Wes. I think the fact that, <laughs> that you're doing a 50K as a training run for your 100 is hilarious to me. Personal or, or, or professional life. I mean, right now, and, and I've got to kind of I'll throw a question on you before we wrap up. But, uh, you know, I've been having some success in my career lately. I've been getting into a groove here and, and things are, are going very well for me. But with that comes, you know, one of my coworkers and friends had said, you know, there's your comfort zone, there's your courage zone, and then there's the chaos zone. Sure. And you want to be in that courage zone because that's where the, the growth is happening, at least in a healthy way. And I feel like I'm, I play around in that courage and chaos zone a little too often, um, but I'm, I'm coming back to where I need to be right now. But yeah, just kind of wanting to continue to just keep a balanced perspective, but continue to excel and grow in my leadership skills and, and continue to be a leader in, in my organization. And then ultimately, you know, my, my wife was able to leave her job earlier this year. So she's able to focus solely on, on taking care of Cali homeschooling and, you know, looking after the house and taking care of the land. We've been doing a lot of gardening here. She's been pouring into the yard, but, you know, my goal is to, to retire early and to get some land and to kind of just do what I want to do, you know, do, do what, what makes me happy and what allows me to, to give back to my community, whatever that might be. So right now I'm in the grind mentality so that I can get as far ahead as I can so that I, eventually I can set off into the sunset. 
Well, and your your financial discipline is also to be commended. I know that's an important part of your life. You guys have have you, you've kept a minimalist lifestyle. You put out a lot of content about camping and enjoying a simple life and and setting the right priorities. And the fact that your wife is able to stay home, we were blessed. My wife stayed home with all of our kids until they went to school, and and even then it was it was part time because she took care of her parents. And I think you're finding fulfillment at work because you, you've always been an incredible contributor and a silent leader. Now you're in a leadership role, which is, you know, like you said, it's bordering that courageous chaos because a lot of people think they want to be a manager and they get there like, hmm, it's not what I thought it was. <laughs> you take on all your problems, everybody else's problems at the same time. So good for you. There's a purpose to everything you're doing. There's a purpose to your job. It's allowing you to pursue all the other parts of your life that are important to you, right? And yet you do it and you're impacting others while you do it. It's not just uh, it's not just a job, right? Yeah, you're grinding out with purpose. I think that's excellent. So congratulations. Yeah. What is it? They uh, say like uh, you know, it's either work to live or live to work. And uh, you know, I very much always want to be the person who's working to live. Yeah, but also recognizing that sometimes some chapters just require a little bit more of us. You know, and and it's about again looking at the plates and figuring out which one needs the most of your attention. But if you don't mind, I like to kind of put you on the spot and just kind of ask you a, a question and you can plead the fifth or you can, you can take a stab at it, but I know you've got quite a bit of experience in leadership roles and, you know, running companies and, you know, putting yourself out there and being a thought leader in the space. And so for somebody like me, who I would consider myself still just very early in my leadership journey, at least in, in this one that I'm in currently and, and kind of where I'm feeling like the trajectory is going, like what are like maybe two or three key tips or, or points that you would make to a, a, a young leader who, you know, maybe is still just kind of getting their legs under them. Like, what would you, what would you instill in them or what are some tips or, or tools of the trade? <laughs> it's a great question. I, and you know, my answer 30 years ago would have been different because I didn't have experience or scars or, you know, a lot of other things. So I, I write a lot about leadership, mostly sharing things I've observed from other leaders, which is very healthy, right? Yeah. All the things I'll suggest here, Wes, I think you're doing in spades, right? There, number one is um, there is a bit of a difference between leadership and management, right? Management is very tactical. I think people get that mixed up. Management is is getting the job done, getting the projects done, making sure the team hits their goals, understanding direction, project planning, right? It's tactical. And I viewed my job as a manager to remove obstacles for my team. Literally, whatever I can do to remove obstacles make sure that they're continuing to learn, right? So asking them, what are you reading? What training would you like to participate in as an area you'd like to learn more about? Because that tests, that tests your team. You want them thinking that way and then allow them the opportunity to do that, right? Create, create a time block during the week or an opportunity for them to take a class or some other, something like that, right? So that management aspect's important. I think from a leadership perspective, I know how you're wired. I think one of, one of the most important things people need to do is listen. Listen for the ground noise and listen for the, the the things people are screaming about, right? So the ground noise is is the hum that happens in an organization a lot of leaders miss. It's the quiet talk, it's the opinions, it's the eye rolls. You want to make sure you're you're listening to those things. I think leading means, hey, here's here's what our objective is. I believe we're gonna hit the goal and here's how we're gonna do it. And I want you all involved in sharing your ideas and thoughts, but not in a way that says, here's the way as a group finding out the best way, yeah. right? And if you got talented people and they all contribute and you get to the best way, sometimes you're the tiebreaker, right? Other times it's pretty evident the group has come up with a great idea and your job is just to tease that out and then run with it, run like crazy. 
something else you've you've done that you you came back to, which is being authentic, right? You are who you are, mm-hmm. and if you can be authentic, they can be they can be authentic. They can share who they are. They can have their their likes, their dislikes. And I think if uh, if they feel comfortable that Wes allows me to be who I am, and and by the way, that doesn't mean um, you get to be the rude person or be disruptive. That's not allowable. And I think that's the fine balance is knowing when to step in and say, hey, I'm all for everybody being, you know, themselves, but there's a point where being themselves disrupts the rest of the team. And that's not what this is about. So there still have to be some guidelines. And I think as a society, we've, we've forgotten that, right? There are, there's right, wrong, common sense, decency. And, um, and I think people have forgotten some of those rules. And I think that's probably the most challenging part of leadership today is knowing when to take a stand as a person, as a company. And knowing also when to say, we're not taking a stand on that as a company because that's not what we do. We write software. We're not a political institution. We're not an influencer. We're not a, we're, we're just, we just make software. So our, our opinion doesn't matter in those areas. Yeah. Right. So I think uh, that'll be your, your, your challenge is the more diverse our work organizations get. And I think diversity is a good thing, right? Particularly of thought and experience. Yeah. I always wanted to look at my team. And say to them, you're all here because you're the best at what you do. For no other reason, you're the best at what you do. And that that best comes from skill, technique, education, experience, natural talent, emotional intelligence. I didn't mention race, gender, religion. None of those things contribute to that. Those are aspects of your personality, but that's not why you're here. You're here because you were the best person we could find for this job. And I think that's important. And, and I think they don't want to be here for any other reason than that. They don't want to have been stamped in a role. So I'll be exiting the workforce as this becomes more challenging. You're just getting into it, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I asked somebody who, you know, wouldn't say that you're at the end of it, but, you know, you, you've gotten a few more years into me and a few more lumps and experiences along the way. So uh, I consider you, even even if you and I don't don't catch up like this, you know, every couple months, but, you know, I know I could always reach out and you'll, you'll hit me back up, but I do consider you one of my mentors along the way of life. So anything that you're willing to share is something that I'm at least willing to, uh, to consider. So I appreciate your input. Well, I appreciate that, Wes, and happy to help anytime. And, and I look forward to hearing how the next two races go and the event in the fall. We'll try to put that in the show notes as well. So my, have you ran yet today? Uh, I did. Yes. Good man. Good man. <laughs> how far was today's run? Uh, six miles. Nice. My son did his uh, second marathon this weekend. Yeah. Which one? He was in Nashville. Nice. Uh, Gotta go. Did, he did well. He's uh, he was on three thirty pace. He's got a an old ankle injury. He's gonna have to have surgery to fix. But they shot him up with cortisone last week and said you can get through it. He finished under four, which he was happy with. Yeah. But uh, I think he's his he's hooked. He wants to do a sub three thirty, and we'll see how he does. But he he loves it. So and start chasing that BQ, huh? I think so. I think that I, we'll see. I think that's on his list. But uh, God bless him. He's got legs a lot longer than mine. So I. Can't, I can't run with him anymore. I can just run alongside and cheer and then take a break and wait till he comes back. So well, I'm sure you're proud. I am. Well, Wes, thanks, buddy. It's been great having you in the Crow a second time. First returning guest, so you should appreciate that. And uh, we'll make sure everybody can find a way to reach you and your blog. Awesome. It's always an honor. Thanks for having me, Pete. Good to see you. All right. Take care, Wes. This is Eating Crow with Pete Duran.